Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Carmen Pugliafito, and I'm happy to have here today Dr. Roger Goldberg, who is with Bay Area Retina Associates and also on the faculty of the California Pacific Medical Center. Uh, Roger, welcome to Retina Synthesis. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me here, Carmen. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, an important topic, which is intravitreal dosing of medications. And um, you presented a paper at the Academy, which discussed some dosing errors that occurred. Uh, but what are the general considerations in terms of uh, dosing in intravitreal injections for anti-VEGF therapy? Well, um, first of all, you know, intravitreal injections is a, it's a great modality, a great way to deliver therapeutics to the retina. Um, it's extremely well tolerated, dis despite kind of patient's initial squeamishness about the thought of getting a needle in the eye. It's very safe, very well tolerated, and highly effective because we can deliver what's a relatively large dose into the eye in order to treat you know, the target disease, uh, but very little of it gets out systemically. So it's a great modality. Um, but of course, we want to inject an amount that we that we know because consistency is important to uh, kind of evaluating the effect of any medication. And so, most of the uh, uh, anti-VEGF drugs that we're using, we're injecting 0.05 milliliters or 50 microliters, is the standard dose, and that includes off-label avastin or bevacizumab and on-label ranibizumab, which is Lucentis, or Aflibercept, which is Ilea, and uh, brolicizumab, actually, which is uh, less commonly used, although the newest agent uh, is also a 50 microliter dose. And so, um, you know, I, I think uh, I actually remember a lecture many, many years ago when you were talking about OCT as a, as a VEGF-o-meter. And so sometimes when you saw a patient who wasn't responding well, and this is back when we used to draw up medicine in a vial. I think sometimes people would cheat a little bit and in a controlled way, give a little bit of extra medication beyond that 50 microliter dose in order to try to maybe get an enhanced effect of, of whatever medication they were injecting. And intravitreal injections, we now do about 10 million of them a year in the United States. So very common procedure. Uh, the vast, vast majority of these are done by retina specialists to treat retinal diseases. And, um, and it's been a you know, dramatic growth in these. And to prepare the medicine from a vial, you know, uh, Lucentis and Ilea originally came packaged in a glass vial and we would take a 19 gauge filter needle and uncap it, sterilize the rubber stopper, um, screw on a 19 gauge filter needle onto the uh, one cc syringe. We drop the medicine through the 19 gauge filter needle into this transfer syringe. And then we would switch needles to a 30 gauge needle, expel the extra air and set the right dose and, and inject it. But several studies actually have looked at how much time it takes to do in inter, you know, to draw up the medicine. And it's about a minute to draw it up. And so you could imagine, you know, if all 10 million of those injections were requiring uh, it, the individual steps to draw the medicine out of a glass vial, well, that's 
10 million minutes. And the market leader, at least by, uh, by, by dollars, is ILEA or a Flibercept. Of that 10 million, about two and a half million injections are ILEA. So two and a half million minutes to draw up two and a half million doses of ILEA is, that's actually about five years of time, of someone's time, of, of many people's time to draw up the medication. Um, so it's, it was with great, I think, kind of uh, enthusiasm that uh, Regeneron launched the ILEA pre-filled syringe, the aflibercept pre-filled syringe in, uh, in 2019. It was approved uh, in August of 2019. In Europe, it was approved in April of 2020. The ILEA or Flibercept pre-filled syringe is a one milliliter glass syringe. It's got a baked on silicone lubricant. There's no transfer syringe involved. There's no 19 gauge filter needle. Um, and pre-filled syringes have been broadly adopted. In the United States, uh, the ranibizumab or Lucentis pre-filled syringe, uh, which was launched uh, about two years before the ILEA syringe, that's about 98% of total ranibizumab use in the US is in the form of a pre-filled syringe. For a flibercept, it's about 95%. So very broadly adopted. Um, but when you look back at what it took to get the uh, pre-filled syringe approved, um, basically the FDA, in addition to some other requirements, had a usability requirement for for the aflibercept pre-filled syringe. And this is all publicly available documents that you can search for. Um, but they requested basically a single injection in at least 30 patients to confirm that the performance and quality of the released product is adequate to assure that the labeled dose is reliably delivered. That's a direct quote from their October 2018 complete response letter. And so you know, it's not a big study, uh, but shortly after uh, ILEA pre-filled syringes were launched, there were reports uh, regarding uh, elevated intraocular pressure. Patients who had gotten you know, countless injections previously would say, geez, I can't see. And the pressure, people would, you know, doctors would check the pressure. The pressure was high. There are even reports published cases uh, of transient central retinal artery occlusion related to it. And in Europe, um, uh, there was a dear doctor letter issued in March of 2021. So about a year after launch and their, uh, pharmacovigilance risk assessment committee cited a sevenfold risk of increased IOP of intraocular pressure rise related to the aflibercept pre-filled syringe. And they cited incorrect handling and preparation of the syringe as kind of the root source of the problem. And another way to kind of suss this out is you can actually search, there's something called the FAIRS database. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's the FDA adverse, adverse event reporting system. And we searched that system looking for three complications associated with the Flibercept, IOP increase, transient blindness, and ocular hypertension. And when you combine that with, some, with another term called device use issue, which really pinpoints the syringe as the problem, they're basically all uh, happened since the third quarter of 2020 and mostly from Europe, yeah, interestingly. So kind of the point of the research actually uh, was to look at why do we see this problem with the aflibercept pre-filled syringe 
and not the Lucentis or Ranibizumab pre-filled syringe. And I think the reasons are, 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 are a few. Number one, the Ranibizumab pre-filled syringe is a 0.5 ml syringe. It's a half ml syringe. The Aflibercept pre-filled syringe is a one ml syringe. It's, it, it's, a, you know, it's a syringe that's twice as large. And so the internal diameter of the, uh, of the ILEA pre-filled syringe is actually nearly two millimeters larger in internal diameter than the ranibizumab pre-filled syringe. Coupled that with the fact that the, the, there's a little dose mark where it, where it shows you where that plunger is supposed to line up. And the ranibizumab dose mark is a quarter millimeter in thickness. The ILEO or a flibercept dose mark is three quarters of a millimeter. It's three times the thickness. So that leads to some just inherent confusion of where along that dose mark do I line up the plunger? And if you just calculate the internal diameter and the thickness of the dose mark, well, that could give you about four microliters of variability with the Lucentis pre-filled syringe, but 24 microliters of variability on the ILEA, on the Aflibercept pre-filled syringe. So the large internal diameter and the large dose mark thickness contribute to these uh, problems. And then finally, you know, both the Lucentis and Ranibizumab pre-filled syringe have these coned tips. The plunger is not a flat across plunger. It has a little cone to it. So there can also be some confusion of, wait, am I lining up to the tip of the cone or to the base of the cone? <clears throat> it turns out you're supposed to line up to the base of the cone of the plunger. So we ran some simulated experiments using uh, empty pre-filled syringes, both ranibizumab and, and a flibercept. We used purified water and we measured the volume by mass using an analytical balance. So we tested kind of multiple scenarios. For Lucentis, we tested uh, the, the base of that cone lined up to the dose mark or to the tip of the cone lined up to the dose mark. So two scenarios for Lucentis. And for ILEA, we tested three scenarios. The base of the cone lined up to the internal edge, the proximal edge of that dose mark. The base of the cone lined up to the distal end of that dose mark, which remember I told you is three times as thick as in the Lucentis syringe, or the tip of the uh, cone of the plunger lined up to the outer edge of the dose mark. And what we see, and we tested these scenarios multiple times and then recorded the volumes. And what we see is, first of all, if you comply with what they call the IFU, the instructions for use with both of these syringe systems, they work well. What's the instructions for use? The, not the tip of the cone, but the base of the cone lined up to the internal edge of the dose mark. Both were highly accurate. 47 microliters for Lucentis, 54.8 for a Flibercept for ILEA. What else did we find? That, that dose mark thickness, if you line it up instead of to the internal edge of the dose mark, but rather to the external edge, the outer edge, the distal edge, your average dose was actually 78.9 micro microliters. So it's over a 50% kind of overdosing of what, of what we normally should be delivering, which is, you know, again, a target of 50 microliters injected. That's just based on the dose mark thickness. 
It also is nice that that comply, you know, comported very closely with our theoretical calculations based on just internal diameter and dose mark thickness. And then finally, if you make the mistake and line it up with the cone tip rather than the base of the plunger, the average uh, volume injected is 109 microliters, which is more than double the intended volume, actually about 120%. So these little things here uh, can make a big difference uh, for our patients. And um, kind of, you know, we think of it as such a simple device. It's a syringe, it's a pre-filled syringe. There's not much going on, but tiny little industrial design factors can actually make a big difference um, in, in, in the care of our patients. And that was kind of the, you know, the, the bottom line summary of what I presented at uh, Retina Subspecialty Day. Is there more ILEA in the ILEA syringe than Lucentis in the Lucentis syringe? In terms of the amount of overfill? Yeah. Uh, so uh, these uh, pre-filled syringes are designed for storage. So unlike um, sometimes people get the off-label bevacizumab or Avastin that are filled with a fixed tip needle where the needle is already attached to the syringe. And that actually doesn't comply with USP guidelines, uh, 787 and 789 because that's, those syringes are not meant for storage. If something accidentally hits the plunger, the back of the syringe, you could actually be injecting medication into the, into the cap. So both uh, Lucentis and ILEA pre-filled syringes have, um, have a method to seal the syringe. There's no fixed needle. You actually apply your own needle to it in clinic. And so there's a little bit of air in the system and they both are overfilled, uh, but I didn't actually take the time in this study to measure how much they're overfilled by. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I know that when, when ILEA first, in, in, the, in the world of vials, uh, Lucentis had a little bit more overfill than, than ILEA. And I think that was a reflection of the fact that uh, Regeneron uh, perhaps was concerned, particularly in Europe, that they might split doses and try and extract two doses of ILEA out of a single vial. Uh, for, as a cost-saving measure, uh, so that the fill in the in the glass vials is a little bit less for ILEA versus Lucentis, but I'm not sure on the pre-filled syringe side. So, what's the practical advice to the clinician about uh, lining the uh, making the correct dose? So, number one is just honestly, I think this was an important topic just for everybody to know that, wait a sec, I'm supposed to use the base of the plunger, not the tip of that cone, coned plunger. And I'm supposed to line it up to the internal edge, the proximal edge of that dose mark. That's number one. And I think that syringe system rolled out with not sufficient education to the retina community about how to pr properly use it. Two is I think it's very interesting to think about some of these next generations of therapies that might be coming down the pike where we're actually gonna be routinely injecting 100 microliters of fluid into the eye or perhaps combining 50 microliters from two different medications. And what are the implications about you know, a 20% a difference or a 50% difference when you're talking now about a scaled up volume could actually have serious repercussions for you know, the perfusion of the optic nerve and and I think it's important to be thinking about uh, some of these little factors as we introduce new medications to treat retinal diseases. What about Lucentis? 
What what about it? What do you mean? Uh, what, well, about what, what about using the Lucenta syringe? What's your advice about that? It, it's a great syringe. Um, I actually think because it's got a shorter internal diameter, there's a greater excursion of the plunger. So you actually get a little more tactile feedback um, from the syringe to, to you actually feel the plunger moving and you're like, okay, yeah, great. I definitely injected medication. Because the internal diameter of the aflibriceptor ilea prefilled syringe is so much larger, there's very little excursion of the plunger and you don't get that same tactile feedback to say, oh yeah, I just injected medication. So personally, I actually prefer the kind of, it's not ergonomics, but I prefer the uh, general operation of the uh, Lucentis prefilled syringe. Now, kind of how the IP and you know, patent protection associated with all of these syringe systems works and, you know, the storage of an antibody and what that means, you know, that's above my, that's above my pay grade, uh, because I'm sure there's a lot of IP around these syringe systems. So part of the reason Regeneron may have made the choices it did may have been to avoid some of the intellectual property that Roche and Genentech had on the Lucentis pre-filled syringe. What, what, what's your advice about injecting bevacizumab? In terms of dosing it properly? Yes. So uh, bevacizumab um, typically comes from a compounding pharmacy with a set dose. Um, and that is true uh, for those people using still the silicone lined syringes, the Becton Dickinson tuberculin syringes. It's also true for, uh, I think, probably the most commonly used syringe in the US is the Normject silicone-free syringe. Now that's still lubricated with another lubricant, which can still get into the eye. Uh, it's, it's not a syringe that's designed for, excuse me, uh, storage of, of an antibody over time. Uh, but those are both pre-filled syringe systems and and they don't come uh, with an overfill. So if you wanna to try to prime the syringe there, you're probably injecting a little bit less medication than, than, uh, than intended, than, than at least a 50 microliter dose. Well, Roger, thanks a lot for this very enlightening discussion about a, a, a common procedure that needs to be done very precisely. Uh, thank you for having me.